Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. Cam or breaking the ice with Mistress Snow. <laughs> Uh, I'm certainly not going to confess to all those murders now that I've hit the rec- Oh, fuck. <laughs> great bit. job. Great, great job, Ash. Great job, as always. Um, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Horror Vanguard. Uh, my name is John, better known as the Lit Guy, joined, as always, by my co-ghost, friend and comrade, Ash. Ash, how you doing? Uh, doing, doing pretty good, John. How you doing? I am, I'm great. I'm great. I am super excited about the film that we're talking about today. Um, and we are extremely lucky to have a guest joining us in the Horror Vanguard crypt. Uh, Mistress Snow has decided to drop by. Uh, Snow, thank you so much for, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for inviting me on the show. Um, for people who maybe have not come across you and your work before, do you want to take a minute and just tell people a little bit about you, about what you do, and about how they can support what you're doing? Uh, yeah, so um, my name's Mistress Snow. I am an adjunct professor and a dominatrix. I kind of walked ass backwards into sex work <laughs> activism um, <laughs> towards the end of last year uh, when I wrote an article entitled, I told my mentor I was a dominatrix uh, and she rescinded my letters of recommendation, a horror movie of my own design. <laughs> um, and have since, been you know advocating for sex worker rights and um adjunct rights in academia i can be found on twitter at mistress snow phd where you can find um that article a bunch of other nonsense and a link to my cash app (laughs) (laughs) all of the relevant links are going to be in the show notes including the link to uh that essay which was an incredible piece that that went crazy viral on uh on twitter um just just last year um yeah truly fantastic we are so glad that you've decided to come on the show and um but now it's time for ash ash to explain and introduce the the cinematic masterpiece that we're talking about today so ash what is the film that we're talking about today and what is it all about surprisingly it will be relevant in just a moment that we were talking about cat memes before we started recording (laughs) one of the most popular memes of the last year or so has been the mortifying ordeal of being known originally appearing as a tumblr post paired with the running dad comic it has since appeared on everything from thanos memes to the classic no take only throw the most striking one i have seen has been paired with a painting of a woman alone in a field she crawls to a forlorn and distant farmhouse The painting in question is Christina's World by Andrew Wyeth. Wyeth was an American realist and was struck one day by the image of his neighbor, one Anna Christina Olson, crawling across her family's field and back to her home. Christina lived with a rare illness known as Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, a genetic disorder that causes, amongst other things, muscular atrophy. This small moment of Christina's life has captured forever the structural inequities that led to her own encounter with the mortifying ordeal of being known. The quote that frames our discussion was not sui generis. It came from the author Tim Kreider, and in full reads, if we want the rewards of being loved, we have to submit to the mortifying ordeal of being known. 
As I want to do, I often comment that this is the true condition of left politics, an attempt to navigate the immeasurable gulf of alienation in order to attain the rewards of being loved, loved as we are, loved as exposed. So we find the condition of Alice Ackerman, also known as Lola underscore Lola, a cam girl and protagonist of today's film. She is faced with the twin oppressions of patriarchy and capitalism, alienated from her friends, her comrades, her family by these very structures. It is only after defeating the doppelganger, the product of alienation, that she wins her freedom. Like us, Alice must face the mortifying ordeal of being known, and that we must cross the chasms of cultural divide, of bigotry, of alienation, in order to reap the rewards of one of love's fullest expressions, solidarity. Now, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what is, what's, what's happened to you lately, Ash, but like, you know, for people who've maybe not listened to the show uh, before, who haven't listened in a while, uh, the, the Ash plot recap, which is now a fixture of the, every episode of Horror Vanguard, was like a, a kind of slightly goofy way of talking about getting we've we've never been very good at segues and so this was just a way of getting us into talking about the film and now as the show has gone out on like ash has started crafting these like beautiful moving like that was lovely <laughs> why thank you <laughs> like he, he the sincere posting has just been dialed up to like a million with you, you take lately. it up to 11 and i love it i'm totally here for it oh yeah the npr guy voice like we are talking about 2018's cam um maybe we can start um snow maybe you could you could start by talking about like what your impressions of this were like the bits that you kind of find particularly interesting and illuminating and we'll kind of take it from there so I've seen Cam, I remember watching Cam when it first came out and I hadn't gotten back into sex work and I had done sex work in the past um, back in 2018 and it reminding me of when I was on Caller Me like years ago. So Caller Me was like a this really shady, almost like BDSM dating site, but this was like pre-FOSTA-SESTA and Backpage was still up, but like you could sometimes book sessions through Caller Me. At any rate, I had put up a picture of myself on my profile and like immediately I had just tons of people being like, this is fake. That's not you. Um, <laughs> and like trying to Skype with me to prove it was me. So once I got verified, I mean, not like officially by the site, but once people stopped hassling me, I started seeing like copycat accounts popping up. It was like, my picture is going to get everyone. Like I'm already, like I was in grad school, I was teaching. I'm like, I need to shut this down immediately. Um, and just like logged off forever uh caller me i think has since become defunct for the best because it, it was just a fucking cesspool but i remember watching the movie back then and thinking like this really captures the precarity of putting your face on the internet in a really mm-hmm. beautiful way in that like i mean not only does this sometimes like reproduce stuff that you just like don't want other people to know but people can steal your identity god i can't remember the filmmaker's last name um, but the way that she really portrays how that can happen and how it can snowball. <laughs> yeah, you win, you win, you win, you win joke of the day for that one. That was good. <laughs> that, damn, that's a good brand. <laughs> I had like tons of BDSM puns lined up for later, but I'm just going to throw those all away now because that was great. <laughs> Why, thank you. 
But yeah, that's what struck me most then watching it again, because I rewatched it last week and then again last night, I was kind of struck by, you know, I was surprised by the, um, what is it, the kid, like the cam girl clubhouse, how the girls are mm-hmm. all kind of, they're, they're competing with each other, which like, of course they are. That That's like so incongruent with my experience at uh, like working in a dungeon. But um, I get that it's, you know, I mean, it's an entirely different field within the industry that I'm not as familiar with. So Ash, what about you? Oh, I thought I thought we lost you for a second there. You've turned into like this field of static. Me? Oh no, John. John, oh. I thought he was I thought he was lost in the void, but no, we're good. With a snowstorm. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> keep him coming, keep him coming. This is great. <laughs> now now I want to see how many snow puns you have. Like now this is an open challenge. I, I don't even know. Like <laughs> Yeah, Ash, what about you? What was what was your what was your kind of like first impression? Um, there is so much about this movie that I really enjoy. Like this has been on my like my like I guess uh, bucket list isn't the right word, but like my list of mo- horror movies that I need to catch up on is just endless at this point. But this was high towards the top and I'm so glad I, I had an excuse to finally sit down and watch it cuz this this is a phenomenal uh, uh film. I think I'm I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but Isa Mazzi uh, the the writer just did a phenomenal job bringing these characters to life, and I think the um, uh, I think a couple of days ago, John, we were talking about like the scenes that we really liked and what affected us, and like, like I, I'm I'm one of those like horrible people who like like just just gets bored and watches the worst horror movies available. So like I'm pretty pretty like numb to the screaming. Well, we scene... did lit- we did literally just do an episode on 120 Days of Sodom. So... We did, yes. <laughs> um high watermarks high watermarks but like the the scene where she goes to the to the family birthday party and is outed in front of her family and just (laughs) the the writing and the cinematography there is just so gut-wrenchingly real like the way the way that sequence is paced you are with her every step as she thinks her identity is secure and everyone else around her just the information just starts to spread like a virus through them and like I have not experienced that kind of tension watching a horror movie in quite some time. It was just yeah. phenomenally well executed. Yeah, the the birthday party scene is just oh, like I had a full body cringe just watching yeah. that. Um that was that was it was just so intense and the the kind of like horrible inevitability of it like just coming because as soon as you heard like the teenage his, his, his little brother's teenage friends yeah. like giggling in the background you're like oh shit oh this <laughs> is well it's like oh but it's one of one of the scenes in horror which is like most gotten under my skin lately it's just someone goes to a birthday party and it just went horribly wrong yeah no that well it's funny because that scene yeah like yeah it's horrifying but having been in similar situations before it didn't strike me as like like it's not the scene that i remember but Mm -hmm. i find that it is for like everyone else (laughs) (laughs) um i think i think what you said earlier about this idea of of competition is really really uh interesting because that wasn't that wasn't a kind of i think this probably comes because i know nothing or very little about the kind of uh the, the the world and that culture so for me i was sort of like there's that tension there between being like someone who is working for a site and at the same time someone who is 
expected to be kind of an entrepreneur, right? So you're expected to be both a capitalist who owns and controls a, a particular saleable brand. And at the same time, you're forced into the position of a worker being like, like the scenes where Alice is on the phone with tech support, who are just oh like, oh my God. <laughs> like so, so fucking useless. Uh, and they go, oh, well, nothing we can do. Sorry. I think really underscore that, especially uh, in contrast to what you were talking about with the scenes at the Camgirl play, uh, Clubhouse. You know, so there's this there's this kind of tension between being both, uh, in some sense, a capitalist brand owner, manager, and also someone who is kind of like completely dependent upon this large, basically uncaring platform that only sees you as a way of extracting money. Exactly. Yeah. No, that... <laughs> And I mean, it's such a different setup. Like, I mean, the dungeon where I work, there is a website, but um, like having the rankings is that that's just not a thing that we deal with. We're also we're not in session together. Right. And like a client can't like bounce between sessions or anything. Um, Yeah. You like you book a session for a set period of time versus on a camming website. And I mean, I've I've never cammed, but, you know, a client can just like dip in and out and kind of like snake through different profiles to it really rapidly. Mm. Yeah. That's the other thing, isn't it? The, this, this, I think what the film is so good at showing is that uh, intense parasocial relationship that these, uh, her guys, as she refers to them, uh, they are like, incredibly uh important to keep them happy to keep the product being something that people want to buy but at the same time they can be anonymous they can vanish they can have like multiple aliases and that can be really dangerous the structure of camming too is so because i've I've been thinking a lot about about how um the girls in cam are more i mean they have to be more like capitalists than like workers because they are um, owning their own and creating their own brand and content but the the solitude of camming like the the majority of the people that um alice slash lola is chilling with in the film are clients whereas um like my experience is that i spend far more time with my other with the other doms than than i ever spend in session of course because that's how time works <laughs> so of course <laughs> i'm gonna feel camaraderie with them um rather than like with my client yeah yeah i think that that was one of the really interesting things that happens in this movie is how technology and and like technology as progress in in massive uh scare quotes there is is just in service of alienation you know and i think i think we, we see this all over the place like camming camming is a great example of that because i think it's 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 interesting how like we've all been talking about how like you can you can just flip through you know performers at, at a whim you you have thousands of people active online across dozens of websites and i think there's a, there's a parallel we've seen in the greater workforce where like you know more more and more labor has been outsourced to apps more and more labor has been outsourced to sites has been made distant and and the function of that is to alienate people from any kind of like working community and not necessarily a working community towards their customer and the client side, although that is, you know, commodity fetishism and definitely part of it, but alienation from any, any potential workforce, right? Like if all of your coworkers are 
scattered across the country and maybe even the world in you know various bedrooms and hotel rooms and modified living rooms, it's a lot harder to just sit down and talk with people about the workday. Right. You know, funny story, I did try to like unionize the dungeon last summer. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the owner is like an asshole, because of course he is. And I'm like, no, like we gotta fight back. Right. Like I can power numbers. And they were like, so no, like <laughs> he has cameras. He can hear you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Oh my god! The, the, I'm just like I'm just imagining like the graphic design potential and the branding potential for a, a <laughs> radical left union made out of doms, and it's just that's the worst right there. That kicks ass. I mean, I I that would be that would be a union that that would not struggle with retaining membership. I don't. Think. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be the first union hall with a line out the door. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Don't, don't let the boss tie you down. Let your comrades handle it. <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> but 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 this is like an important point, right? If you if you exist in an industry that is increasingly app dependent, you know, um, what is it? Uh, I think it's Nick Cernchak who who talks about this as platform capitalism. So the the purpose of infrastructure uh, in the kind of 1950s to 70s era of late capitalism was to, to allow people to work collectively to further their own interests you know now the kind of went to the era of neoliberalism you can't work together but what you can do is create systems by which people who are kind of on the same uh in the same kind of class position become competitors you know it's like the the, the fact that it has the the ranking system down the side is not is is both designed to kind of gamify the experience for clients and it's also designed to make any kind of like class solidarity and class consciousness increasingly impossible right and that's another uh issue i've been thinking about i mean well i guess it's the same issue that we're still talking about um working in a dungeon um like we don't really compete for clients i find because each of each of my coworkers has such a different style, a different brand, if you will. Just fucking horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but like in most cases, like I'll be the only I'll be the only white woman on a shift, or I'll be the only like taller woman on a shift. Um, or I'll I'm not gonna give away more of my identity to the internet. <laughs> 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 um, like we're all so very different. Um that it, we're not in competition with each other. Like, it'd be like, like you're not going to put a, a, a historian in competition with an anthropologist is how <laughs> I've experienced. Yeah. yeah the dungeon. <laughs> um, so it, that, that was another thing that kind of like interested and also kind of confused me. I mean, not really confused, but intrigued. You, you know, so, so I do, I do all of my work online Right, like I'm a, I'm a content writer. So it's like, it's a rare treat for me to like actually see the person I'm writing for. <laughs> and like, like I noticed a lot of weird parallels with like my my line of work and what um, Alice does in this, right? Because like I'm also like a completely disassociated floating head on a website that a bunch of people give me star ratings and stuff. And like I'm I'm across several different websites, and like I've noticed that in these spaces, like like when when I work with uh, companies that have actual humans and actual like marketing teams that I can talk to. 
like it's a completely different experience than when it's just some like random number that i'm that that wants a, a website about spreader bars or something and then like <laughs> spreader bars huh <laughs> That was, that was my my morning today was writing about uh spreader bars cuffs and fetish gear while i tried <laughs> to put them in migraine so i've had wow in morning How <laughs> right i know it was it was such good timing that this work popped up this morning i was like oh yeah you know it's on theme i'll get down i was like are there other spreader bars that i do not know about or is he talking about the same kind <laughs> oh the same kind <laughs> I do believe we're thinking of the exact same thing. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure there's like a construction tool that I don't oh, know right, about yeah. that would be called the spreader bar, but maybe that even does the same thing. But anyway, like um, I, I noticed a lot of similarities and like I've got friends who are Uber drivers and stuff like that. And like they're, they, they also live and die by these like app ratings and being forced into this mindset where like, like, I think, I think it's a lot like you've talked about your work, your work situation. Like you, you do different things and you have different skill sets than the other people who work in your dungeon, right? Like there are things that you do that they won't do or they can't do or whatever. And like, I think it's the same for like a lot of, a lot of jobs. Like there are, there are cam models who will do things that other cam models won't, that specialize in things mm -hmm. that other cam models won't or physically mm -hmm. have attributes that others don't. And I think that a lot of this competition is just the artifact of capitalism, right? It's it's forced on us by the very structure of these apps, by the fact that like, like I think like in, in the you know in, in the movie, like it's just really stark how important hitting number one is kind of made to be for people. Well, and you know, I had a thought um, as you were talking. It, one of my favorite things about working in a dungeon is that if there's anything I want to learn to do or haven't done, mm -hmm. but like some, one of my coworkers can teach me, then we then they can teach me. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you know, I could like shadow sessions. I can tip into sessions. Like I've learned to, I won't go into the things I've learned to do. <laughs> um, a lot of things that I should have a different kind of doctorate <laughs> to be allowed to do. Um, <laughs> But that's like because we have that scene where um alice is watching baby and mm -hmm. her cat runs by and she's like hey i'm studying um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um but like you can have the experience of learning but you don't get to teach you know mm -hmm. like that relationship isn't there it's well, it kind of reminds what are they like mooc what is that like massive online something something course Massive open online courses. Yeah, where like I mean, the the two things are are not happening simultaneously. Hmm. It's not a it's not a relationship. Yeah, simply because that's that's not possible. I think I think I think the 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 term parasociality is really important here, because there's that moment relatively early on in the film where. Um, Alice is just like wandering around the grocery store, like picking up stuff and props oh, and, and that costume. was the scariest part for me. And and then she <laughs> sees somebody that she recognizes, and it's like just the kind of like this is this is wrong because you don't you don't know that's what she said. you don't know me. You have this kind of like image this this you have a parasocial relationship. You don't actually and you don't there is no grounds on which you can have that social relationship because that's not how this is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. So that early, that early scene where, and like you, you kind of see the sort of shock horror 
that like this is crossing a boundary that is really not supposed to be crossed if anyone has got right that's 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 her in the real world you're not allowed to do that (laughs) (laughs) which i'm like i can't even imagine to like i have seen clients on the street like once or twice and we'll both be like and just like walk away (laughs) like and i think that's another thing um that like camming uh might lead to is there's not that face-to-face connection um Mm. which then makes the face-to-face connection something to seek mm-hmm. whereas like in-person sex work like problem solved <laughs> um yeah they just want to know my real name but <laughs> yeah I, I definitely think that that was that was one of like the the striking things about this movie is how how like we we see so much from alice's perspective and we're kind of like we're 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 in her world right we're you know like from if you were watching her show from the perspective of the audience right you're just seeing these designated sets that she builds but through the context of the movie like we yeah we see her like awkwardly hanging out with friends we see her getting up in the morning and then walking into the like the designated camming space i'm sure there's a better term than designated camming space (laughs) although that sounds like really star trek studio maybe i don't know the room the the stage the stage yeah ensemble but um (laughs) But I think like like it does it does like overlap a lot of really interesting spaces, right? Because uh, ostensibly, like a lot of the viewers are maybe like alone in their bedroom or something. You know, like they're they're certainly not like or, I mean, like a lot of them probably are at work. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah, but like we see but, with Barney, like, right? When like yeah, his yeah, wife yeah. or whomever um, calls mm-hmm. him and he shuts the computer down really quick. Yeah, yeah, and I think like. It, it does it does have this weird parasocial element that you wouldn't get if like like i don't know i'm trying to think of like the pre what's the pre-digital equivalent of a cam show and i'm thinking of like the grand guignol where you would go to like maybe like theater. Peep shows yeah like yeah. like a peep show yeah. or like a theater show right where you'd you'd have like the under so i know in a lot of grand guignol theaters they had the the bleacher seats where, where the regular audience would go but then if you had a little extra money you could pay to sit beneath the bleacher spe- seats in a private space if you wanted to enjoy your theater experience in a way that would be uh, un- uncomely of public space, you know? <laughs> and I think like, like, but, but that adds an element of performance, an element of, uh, uh, Heisinger has this idea of like the magic circle, you know, that gaming takes place inside of an arena that's cordoned off from the rest of society. And I think like the, the alienating aspects of, of the technology that, that camming occurs through has a, a, a way of eroding that distinction between this as like this is someone's job right this is someone's livelihood you know when you're watching them perform they might be i don't know like pretending to be like like a naughty schoolgirl or something but like in their head they're like okay crap i have a dentist appointment in two hours i have to make this much money before i can get there right mm-hmm. they're thinking about like they're thinking about the fact that they're pissed off because the groceries they bought a couple days ago went bad faster than they expected you know they're they're thinking of all the same things that everyone else thinks of or similar things rather when you're clocked into your day job that's I had a client call me on that like a week ago. <laughs> He's like, well, you're just thinking about your groceries, aren't you? And I'm like elbow deep in his ass, like <laughs> guilty. <laughs> I, I am, I am. Yeah. Oh, multitasking. It's an important skill. All right. <laughs> Should I get a burger or <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> if you think of if you think of like the service economy, like you know, I've you know I've worked as a I've worked as a I've worked as a waiter, I've worked as a barman, I've worked as a barista. I worked in places that have given me scripts for how I'm supposed to talk to people and have told me that there are certain words that I'm I'm not allowed to say because it's not in keeping with them. And eventually that's what happens, right? You just, you know, you clock in, it's it's the job and, you know, you do it as best you can, but there's a kind of like private inner monologue. Yeah, that's yeah. just that's just going. But the thing is like Alice, the thing that I really like about it is that Alice is really good at her job. Like, oh, yeah, that, she's amazing. Like, I want to watch her yeah. shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, because, like, like, let's be honest. Like, one of the things that, that we say quite a lot on the show is that horror is not inevitably, like, revolutionary or radical in its politics. It's often deeply misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got this, the, the, the conservative sexual politics of the slasher film of the 80s where having sex equals death. You've got the kind of incest terrors of like Anne Radcliffe's novels where like lecherous distant uncles are going to imprison you and take away your inheritance and everything else. And so like, it's just, there's something about this, like watching someone who's just really good at their job and really wants to do well at it. And is kind of like that, that's, if it was like, it's just kind of refreshing to go, Oh, okay. Yeah. We're not going to do the, 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 the um, victimized sex worker. You know, yeah, right? like the vic- yeah. the victim of the of the serial killer that would be found by our jaded police officer somewhere, mm. uh, <laughs> it, ignoring the it, which you know hand waves away the fact that the police are often the biggest cause of violence towards uh, sex workers. And are anyway. clients <laughs> and very demanding as clients because they can be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's it's just like like you know she's 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 just really good at her job she's she like i love the fact that you can see on her calendar like she's got like oh, themes, yeah. she's got yeah, themes yeah. And, and, yeah. and one week is just going to be the seven deadly sins mm-hmm. and i'm like that it's so that would cool. be a good show i was gonna say like that would kick ass like that's the awesome one, the one part that uh like made me jealous was when it towards the end when Alice confronts Lola and Lola said or and Alice says like oh we we should do a double show or whatever and Lola's like oh you like to be watched and I'm like she sussed out her kink immediately like <laughs> <laughs> brilliant <laughs> like she's so smart <laughs> but then like the heart the kind of chilling thing about Lola is like um one of the other things that kind of makes Alice really endearing is she has she has her rules uh, right, about which Lola breaks and won't do, and Lola just smashes them all to pieces, which is like such a just to kind of connect to what you were talking about earlier. Like you know, Uber drivers, you might have the rule of like, you know what, I'm only going to work forty hours a week, but like the structures of platform capitalism will always incentivize you. You know, just you know, you know, it's it's not a hard rule; it's more of a guideline. Right. Look, what's what the difference between get. forty and forty-five? You know. Yeah, look what you could get if you would be willing oh, just yeah. to kind of push, just to I push mean, things just a little bit. I have like you have to have very strict boundaries as a sex worker, or you will burn out very quickly. So I like I have my strict rules. Like I do not take off my clothes. I do not do submissive sessions. Um, but like similar to Alice's, like I do not tell clients I love them. But I've definitely had moments in session where I'm like, yeah, I could use that hundred dollar tip. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, my therapist would actually murder me. <laughs> so <laughs> fear of my therapist that has kept me sticking to my boundaries. 
but that's but that's the thing about Lola. Lola breaks all the rules because mm-hmm. the potential the potential reward is you get to be number one. Right. It's that's not even the money at that point. It's being number yeah. one. That yeah, precisely. That is something I found to be really interesting, right? Because throughout throughout the whole course of the film, we don't really get the impression that Lola or that Alice rather is financially struggling. Well, she buys that like you four know, thousand like, dollar couch in the beginning, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we get the, we get the idea that even even I'm like that's her, what like, I make in a semester teaching like one class, <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> That that's a mood right there. <laughs> right. I I'm a couch. Like like financially she's okay, you know, and that like her desire to be number one is is purely linked into this like the the fatalistic and endless expansion of capitalism, right? She does not need to be number one in any sense, right? When when we first see her doing doing that first show, right? Like she's she's having fun. She's having fun with her regular audience, right? Like she's just going through a work day. And like, like that knife effect was brilliant. Oh my god! You know, right, like golf clap, man. Like, I love, I love good prosthesis, you know. And I know movie magic, <laughs> but like, if you could actually pull that off live during a show, and what like, did she say? Like, it's like pulled ya, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like the second, the second that happened, my first thought was like, okay, like I don't know how long the average cam session is, but like, let's assume she's been wearing that prosthetic for an hour and like posing and doing stuff right. and like. Like winning tokens from the audience for different acts. How has that thing not sweated off? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, it's just like it, I think this is this is just a really painful example of like how capitalism will, no matter what your line of work is, will push you to to abuse yourself for nothing more than gain that sometimes you don't even need. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at you here, higher education as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thinking of like rape by professors. <laughs> Right, yeah, uh, and 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 also the fact that like, you know, I know you you've been talking a lot about this on Twitter the last few days, like the fact that the 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 corporate university will expect you to kind of like immolate yourself mm-hmm. in oh, order yeah. to get a potential future reward, which may not even exist. And to demonstrate you know, that you deserve that and that you really do care about it. It's not about the money. <laughs> like... Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, and that kind of drive, I think, is not is not anything unique to a particular profession or a particular kind of it's what it's what kind of neoliberal ideology would seek to kind of inculcate in everybody. This idea that you you could be number one and to get there, you might just have to kind of knife your your comrade or colleague or or uh fellow worker in the back but th- if that's what you have to do that's what you're gonna do mm-hmm. oh yeah it makes me think of senior faculty who are like pissy that <laughs> their colleagues are making more money like so and so is making two hundred and thirty five thousand dollars a year and i'm only making a hundred and eighty seven thousand dollars you're like shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, haven't, you, haven't set, you haven't set foot in a classroom in 15 years and you right. and you hate and you hate undergraduate students, right? Fuck like, out of here. Yeah, right? Shut the if, fuck up. If you've ever had a research sabbatical that was paid, you can just shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. right. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just gonna bite my tongue. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was gonna say, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, motherfuckers. We, <laughs> we we have all got stories on that one. I am I am a hundred percent convinced. Most we have all assuredly. Got <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the other thing I wanted to I wanted to kind of run by both of you is this notion of like the relationship between capitalism and desire, right? Because I think mm. I I was talking to Ash about this a couple of days ago, and I was like, "Wow, this is a Freudian film." <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is like this is like a super like psychoanalytical like film. Uh, crops up everywhere like this sneaky it gets me so mad because i fucking hate freud and i hate him even more because it's right <laughs> thank you thank you i hate freud it on my podcast i think you're the first other person who has oh, major freud. qualms to say the least yeah. bitch but, about like, the last the... podcast i was on too. <laughs> freud could blow me but like the thing that i was i was thinking about is um the kind of point that Deleuze and Guattari make in Anti-Oedipus, which is that there is no distinction between an, a, a financial economy and the libidinal economy. Flows of capital and flows of desire are basically kind of two sides of the same coin. Huh? So like there is only one, there is, there is only, there is only one economy. There is only uh one kind of circulation and and flow of of desire and money and i think watching this you sort of go yeah they were right <laughs> <laughs> well they're both about power right like yeah about power and mastery even uh <laughs> even if actual mastery is not really part of the equation ash what do you think yeah yeah i, th I think that's i think it's really really interesting you know like Loading. I'm glad this is a podcast and not like a video because I don't want the world to see my face. But you both look like the <laughs> thinking emoji. <laughs> like, giant curly mustache up until like about a month ago, and like it would have just been like me doing oh, this no. the entire episode. I, I, I gotta be honest, I, I kind of miss the mustache. Yeah, everybody always misses the mustache and the beard when they go away. And then the second they come back, everyone is like, why did you do that to yourself? <laughs> Speaking of a libidinal economy, there's an audience I could never please. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, I think it's really interesting that um, through, throughout, throughout the course of this film, we're kind of like, one of the things that this film kind of keeps asking me is that like, you know, like, like what, what is the desire here? What is the, the, the source of pleasure? Not, not for Alice, right? Because we kind of like, you know, in Alice's later conversations with her mom, you know, her mom kind of teases out why Alice enjoys this, right? Like Alice, Alice is, you know, she, she refers to Alice as a different person. And of course, like that's a nod to the doppelganger, but it's also like a reference to like, you know, when, when Alice is acting, she gets to express parts of her identity that she can't express in the rest of her life her confidence, her sexuality, you know, like, you know, she mm -hmm. definitely seems more playful when she's on camera than when she's not. But that could be, of course, because the only like hour and a half we get to know Alice is when she's being beset by a digital phantom. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely think that like for, for the audience, like, like there, there's a, there's a strong question of like, what is, what is kind of like the libidinal urge that they're getting from this? The people that look as I like, the people that frequently hang out in these shows, the people that are there every day, you know, like, like, I think like the, the film is asking some interesting questions about like, where, where is their libidinal release coming by being like regulars in this, in this like particular manifestation of sex work, right. In camming. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't have like a clear, 
way through this discourse, but it seems because like all of the people that we meet that are regulars on her show are like really, really abusive the second they meet her in real life. Like none of them are like, you know, like their 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 relationship was uh, shielded to a certain extent by the alienation, but then the second they meet. You know, like all of these guys are revealed to be incredibly suspect, incredibly creepy weirdos. That's <laughs> putting it lightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those to, to be to be to be easy about it, I suppose. Well, you know, this makes me think. So I, I'm not a client uh, generally, but um, the one manager at the dungeon where I work goes to strip mm. clubs like constantly. <laughs> she always comes <laughs> in like either still drunk or like hungover as shit. Um, oh. and, like she goes like multiple times a week, and I'm like, why are you like? How much money do you? besides the point um but <laughs> um i was thinking like about her as you we were talking and about the relationships that she has with a lot of these strippers um but those don't seem abusive at all which brings me back to the point that there's this alienation in camming that i mean of course all labor is alienating but camming yeah. is really isolating um in a way that can breed that kind of dishonesty and abuse yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think like all all labor is alienating, but some some labors are incredibly more alienating than others. You know, like there is a huge difference between like like working on a factory floor and and getting getting to work with people and like because I, I think like you know my my little praise here for this film like like a lot of this goes back to the, the this this kind of the, the agony of being known yourself personally. And when you're when you're working on a shop floor, whether that's at a grocery store or a dungeon, you know, like you're you're meeting your coworkers every day. You're talking with them. You're going to find out about their lives and their wants, their desires, their dreams, their like petty day to day struggles. But when you're when you're working exclusively online, when it's all digital, when you don't have that human element, you're cloistered off from that, and the alienation mm -hmm. becomes more stark. It becomes more more effective rather. And I think that's part of the reason why late capitalism has pushed towards this platform economy, right? Because that's maximally alienating. You know, if we're mm. all alone sitting in tiny boxes doing our jobs, we'll never organize. <laughs> right. We'll never, Which we'll makes me think union. like as, like how Dilbert somehow for millennials became like a goal. <laughs> like I want to be like Dilbert in an office, in a cubicle with shitty coffee. <laughs> what a dream. Instead of like sitting in my bed on my computer. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the other, Dilbert. the other side to that, the other side to that though, is the kind of role of, of fantasy in structuring these exchanges. Right. Like, because she's she is she's in sales and she's very good at selling something and what it is that's being sold is a is a kind of phantasmatic image of something and so it's a fantasy that only works precisely because it can't ever come true she has the privilege too of being able to ban customers mm, um, yeah. or clients so this is making me think and uh, sorry if this turns into like snow story hour about like shitty clients because i try not to shit on clients but um as, far as her like providing this fantasy she's able to control that fantasy and control that narrative whereas like i'm thinking of i had this adult baby client a few months ago and i was just, 
I was trying to feed him applesauce with like a little baby spoon and like, you know, like choo choo. And he was like, so where'd you go to college? And I'm like, babies don't know about college. Like, Breaking scene, my dude. Come on. Yeah, like what yeah. are you doing? Babies do not know. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Take your applesauce. This isn't boss baby guy. Come on. <laughs> right? Like, why are you asking me? Um, so I couldn't just mute him, <laughs> which would have really helped the scenario. Because like I was mad. I got thrown off. Like I couldn't get back into the scene because the. <laughs> that was also breaking the other boundary of like real life and fantasy you know no one would yeah, want to ask alice like or lola whomever you know like oh well, where do you live like mm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah she yeah she has the power in the uh to like ignore that or if not ignore yeah, it but, i mean you know, silence it lola works lola works precisely because like she's not real yeah <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah right yeah yeah but it's that collision between the two of them where you go actually one of the one of the kind of aspects of people is our ability to kind of project and live out our own fantasies and desires right and if we can do that in a way that means that we can drop you know four thousand dollars on a brand new couch then so so much the better right i mean this is something that uh, um sex workers in the uk have been talking about that actually it's sex work is better than trying to especially if you are um disabled or otherwise marginalized it's much better than trying to go through the kind of demeaning and like belittling welfare system or if you're undocumented or if you're undocumented so like that's you know this this idea that you can that you can that that you can have some agency over your own kind of fantasy projection and that can also be materially rewarding uh, yeah. means that 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 Lola and Alice are always going to be on a collision point, right? Because not only is this like a fantasy that's breaking all of her rules, she isn't getting paid, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, I think I feel like maybe the the only concrete reference to money in the film is when she's on the phone with tech support, and she's like, "You already take half my money, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like now you're taking all of my money." <laughs> And I mean, I don't know what the rates are for camming, if it's half, but like I know at the dungeon, let's see, uh, our session is almost three times what I get. Almost three times. Blah. So yeah, they, they I get between Rim. a third and a half. Definitely less than a half. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah I think it's 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 like that's a that's the that's a universal truth of wage labor, right? You know, boss makes a dollar, you make a dime. Oh yeah, well yeah, but I mean it's unregulated, so there's there's no recourse. <laughs> yeah, like which was one of the reasons I tried to unionize the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> like, we deserve which, better. <laughs> that needs to come about because yes. I'm still hyped for that. That is like the one of the best union I'm efforts like, I've heard of. At the least, we should get more for sub sessions. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's um it's really interesting, right? Like um Connor Connor Habib, uh, a three time returning horror vanguard champion guest, um, talked about this. I think in a t- if I'm remembering this this was in a Twitter thread. He's he's prolific, so it's hard to track where his stuff always comes from. But he was talking about that one of the one of the reasons why people are kind of drawn in into sex work is that it's one of the areas that kind of skirts the edges of of capital. You know, like right. like like there 
it's it's the same like you know like uh a lot of sex work is freelancing and like i'm also a freelancer and as a freelancer there is kind of there is kind of a freedom in being like eh, you know like i i don't necessarily have to work today because i can work just you know more later right and having having that little extra modicum of control even though it does come with like major trade-offs i think um is is one of the interesting aspects of this film right because you know mm -hmm. we see how that even even the people who are doing careers that exist on the periphery of capital are still totally beholden to the structures that the system has erected. Well, we talk about that at work. Fair, I mean, we don't talk about like capitalism as such <laughs> very often. Um, but we like sex work is really. I mean, whatever an honest living means, it really mm -hmm. is one of the only ways to make it without the entrapments of late capitalism where a client is paying for a specific service that we are independently yep. providing that has like no um you know like no stake in like globalization or, <laughs> yeah, or like slave labor or right yeah yeah it's just you know, this immediate transaction um but those trade-offs i think are maybe one of the areas in which this this film kind of like finds its uh kind of dramatic impetus right the 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 costs that and like especially because they're costs that maybe can't be predicted because this idea that you could just have your 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 account your persona could just be completely kind of like extracted away from you is clearly not something that you know alice has been prepared for or predicted mm -hmm. um I, I'm really interested to know what you both thought about that final confrontation between the two of them. One thing I noticed about Alice versus Lola is that actual, like Alice is way better at her job than Lola. I mean, like the, you can tell that Alice has like a joy in camming and really truly mm -hmm. enjoys what she's doing versus Lola who I don't, I've noticed this more on rewatches of the film, but Lola just really does seem quite like mechanical. She doesn't have that like yeah. joy in what she's doing. Um, and she's clearly playing up to specific kinks rather than um, like also um, exploring her own sexuality, which Lola is doing. I mean, Alice is doing <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so eventually eventually that fantasy kind of breaks, right? It becomes repetitious because there's no kind of agency, there's no there is no kind of person behind it because like uh th which means that it ends up kind of falling back into these sort of like desperate repetitions of going, well, this worked last time, which is a very algorithmic thing to do, right? To go, mm. well, this is what you all like last time, so let's just do that again. Well, like, ultimately, she has to destroy her own body, maim herself in order to regain her agency, which is also how the film opens, right? With her committing uh, the faux suicide, where she has mm -hmm. to get as, like, close to annihilating herself as possible if she hopes to retain, like, any sense of agency. Um, yeah. did I, I was doing some kind of, like, reading, uh, getting ready for this episode, uh, and found that there is now a completely like there's a 3D hentai cam girl. Oh, I saw some shit about that. That is so creepy. <laughs> I mean, like I'm not right. trying to kick shame or anything. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like the fact that like you know like a kind of 
this fantasy which no which now no longer requires there to be another in there you know oh, yeah. you, it's it, that there is something about that which is a little bit kind of unnerving right fantasy abstracted away from any kind of from no longer being the mediator between self and other becomes something which can be potentially quite I don't know. There's something about that, which I, I don't know how to kind of unpick it. You know, it makes me think, uh, so the owner of the dungeon, who's both an asshole and an idiot, uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> my boss, um, he he got like one of the, like a really lifelike sex doll for like $4,000 or something like a year <laughs> or two ago, thinking that it would be like a big hit with the clients. And it, it wasn't like at all. Um, it, it failed completely. So it's like sitting in our back room, like in between two of the computers, wearing like like a funny hat or something. <laughs> like you need to have this fantasy, uh, or you need to have the the thing with which you're interacting interacting with you yeah. in return. Um, and it, it like this film um, makes that happen through uh the mm. doppelganger whereas like a sex doll <laughs> right. um, yeah. Yeah, is unable to fulfill that <laughs> yeah i think like so, it's, I, so it's, it's really <laughs> right there's the glassed over eyes you know you can you can take the eyes out yeah yeah so some of the and models uh you can, you can pop eyes ah! out you can move. it's just totally bizarre this is what mm-hmm. I get for writing like uh, a lot of a lot of like content for like a like adult toy industry. But <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, it's probably if it's super realistic and you could change the eyes out, and it was a couple thousand bucks, it's probably one of these three or four models. Right, it poisoned your mind. Um, <laughs> right? But I think I think like this is this is like a really interesting space that the movie enters in with like this last sequence, right? Because her harming herself is a deeply human act it's something that that only that machines can't accomplish only humans can machines uh uh, to date lack the the sentience and the humanity to engage in self-harm right like her her final act breaking breaking her own nose is it's disturbing it's tragic but it's also deeply human it's what ultimately sets her apart from the from the like i guess the deep faked lola doppelganger you know, and I think like we we also live like in like this really weird time where like teledildonics is becoming like a field in and of itself, and and you know we've got like this this absolutely chilling and bizarre stuff like like these like real doll products, you know that that lack any human interactivity and are incredibly just like they're they're like the most uncanny valley products humanity has produced to date. I was talking with my students yesterday about uh, like some coronavirus scares and <laughs> um, how, or I, I think like I, I was reading a tweet about like fast food workers having to go to work even if they're sick because they need the money to live um, and don't have health insurance uh, and that will accelerate the spread of coronavirus. Um, but the, the point of the conversation, I, it got to how like humans are now as workers expected to perform not only as machines, but to perform better than machines. Like if, if your car breaks, you're not going to like be like you lazy bastard like at your car. (laughs) Yeah. But like, if you're sick and can't go to work, then there's this like moral quality ascribed to it. Um, But also like, I'm like, I'm trying not 
to give away like the subject that I teach. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's clearly auto mechanics, right? If you're talking yeah, about yeah, 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 uh, I mean, it's mechanics. Yeah. So we were talking about like manual labor too, and how, um, and I'm whatever manual labor means, but um, how destroying your body can often be like a like a token or a symbol. Like if you're working in a factory and you lose a finger or you lose a limb or something, then that shows how dedicated you are to your craft. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think you, I think that that really, really puts a good cap on on kind of kind of the point where like for for me, like when Lola harms herself there at the end, it's kind of that it's that transitional moment, right? It's it's the breaching of fl uh, flesh, the 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 shedding of blood. You know, it's this it's this painful transition and painful real transition, blood, not fake blood. This yeah, time. real blood. <laughs> It's, it's this painful transition from one space into another, right? And you know, we have we have technologies today that that like facilitate humanity and facilitate human interaction in ways that they could not have been facilitated in years prior, right? And then we have ways that like, you know, like the the uh, bizarre hellscape that is like real to life sex dolls is one hundred percent mappable into onto the self checkout lane at the grocery store. <laughs> Right, those two things have the exact function and the exact same uh, essence, if you will. Right. Okay, so full disclosure, I like have shoplifted so much shit because of those fucking self checkout things. Because yep. uh, you can, it like encourages you to abandon your morals. Not like I have yep. any like, not like I feel any obligation to pay for. I don't know, like. Food, beer, yeah, food, basic yeah, human needs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we do not we do not endorse the very cool crime of robbery. We yeah, don't do uh, stealing from the self checkout machine is something that this podcast is fully opposed to, even though only the coolest people do it. <laughs> <laughs> How much money has like fucking CVS lost over <laughs> assholes like me stealing like Chef Boyardee? <laughs> a meaningless amount of money when, when compared with the yachts yeah, exactly. their ceos get oh my god or like the the employees they get to lay off who are making 725 an hour and that that, that ties into the function of like a, a lot of these sex dolls because like you as, as you mentioned the, the the manager of your establishment attempted to procure one of these to shore up business which ostensibly would have taken oh, business did away procure from it, and... yeah yeah god, and like so creepy with uh, with Project Melody, who the the three day three D hentai cam girl, right? Uh, <laughs> incredibly, incredibly successful, like hugely successful. So much so that like other uh, sex workers on the site that this cam girl streams on are kind of like concerned that this is <laughs> this is gonna like this is taking away. I hate what, this timeline. But but I mean I think Ash is making a really good point, right? That eventually technological sophistication as a means of creating pure fantasy, un unmoored from any inconvenient other kind of body, other person, <laughs> yeah, all that will be will be will be a greater tool of capitalist extraction, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it all, there's there's a there's a programming company somewhere in the world that is raking in huge amounts of money of project melody uh but that isn't actually going to 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 a person that kind of 
needs to be making the money in order to survive, in order to pay their uh, health insurance, in order to buy their groceries, in order to student take loans. care of their kids <laughs> or pay their student loans. I mean, it's it is clearly robbing the hard work and effort of of like hentai artists across the planet, and that is abhorrent. <laughs> they work for that goddamn money. It, it takes effort to draw those tentacles. Goddamn it! Yeah. And, and so. <laughs> Whatever, oh, you know. the cam girls the point i was making was that like fantasy is big business right and it isn't something that remains a kind of personal issue it's something that specifically technologized capitalism can monetize and commodify like nothing else yes yeah correct (laughs) an argument without flaw sir well done (laughs) we are we are approaching uh about an hour now and that's usually when we start to wrap up an episode even though this has been like one of those rare yeah, it's been one of those rare conversations where like we're like instant friendship, instant bonds of, of unbreakable <laughs> right. solidarity forged through ABDL jokes. Like it has been mm-hmm. it has been a day of power. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> uh, brave brave Sir John. Any any final thoughts about this film or perhaps more commentary on CGI tentacles? Uh, I I have very few takes on CGI tentacles. That but is, some, but that a few. Is, <laughs> but enough is the important very thing. Very few, very very few that I will not share here. But what I what I what I, what I will say, what I will say, is if you haven't seen it, uh, Cam, it's really good. It's on Netflix. Um, all of the performances are are incredible. Uh, especially from is it madeline brewer who plays mm-hmm. alice yeah yeah she yeah, that was, that was amazing that was kills it it's incredibly well written um and yeah and written it's... by a sex worker by yeah. a former cam girl yeah. thank god folks <laughs> folks it, it's good that's my 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 hot take on cam 2018 very good run don't walk to your couch <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Ash? What about you? Any final thoughts on Cam? Uh, so many. I, th- this is this is one of the episodes where I feel like like we could do like a five hour episode on this on this film. Um, yeah, like I, I think I think I it's more to say. <laughs> if you if you read a lot of like uh, the interviews with Issa Mazi, like so so much of her lived personal experience made it into this film. Like mm. like she um some of the, some of the anecdotes that are in the movie were were cops hitting on her when she went to report crimes related to her work, which the, relatable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think like like that those like when you because I didn't I hadn't read those interviews prior to watching the movie and now when I go back and think about it I read it with a completely different light that those are that um she originally had started out wanting to make a documentary, but she felt that a documentary wouldn't be able to convey what she wanted to convey. And so she turned to horror instead. And I think Mm -hmm. that that is extremely telling that a horror film would have more, more emotional weight and be able to express truths that the uh, alleged truest form of cinema fuck documentaries. There's a hot take free hot (laughs) take for the kids today. If you wanted, if you wanted a free hot take to go on, it's that uh, Werner Herzog was right about documentaries. Uh, they are art, and we should be the hornets that sting. God damn it! Um, 
but I think this movie is a great example of that. And um, I think I think if I have a question, a question for the class, a question for the group as we as we walk out, is um, how do we how do we feel about the final? So we talked about like I guess the final conflict between Alice um, Alice and Lola Lola. What do we think about, uh, because that isn't, um, for uh, people who haven't seen the movie, that's not the final scene. The final scene, uh, a bit of denouement, is that um, we, we get a scene where uh, Alice's mom, now knowing that she's a sex worker, is helping her do her makeup to prepare for a show she's going to put on later. And, you know, we, we get some lines where her mom is like, well, I never thought I'd be doing this, <laughs> you know. It's kind of like a wholesome banter, I guess, between the two of them. And then um, Alice, under a new name and a new identity, sets up a new account on uh, a, another camming website and starts a new performance under a new persona. So how do we feel about her, I guess, conquering this doppelganger, but nevertheless going back to sex work? I have the mic to the crowd. <clears throat> That's really interesting to me because, like, the whole film really uh just undoes a lot of the stereotypes about sex workers like mm -hmm. that were forced into it or that um like it's a last resort e even the, like for me personally it was a last financial resort uh but that's not the case for yeah. many of my coworkers, if not most of them um but her her return to it and her like actual love of the work she is doing like <laughs> which mm. as a statement in and of itself like love work like right <laughs> work yeah. bad <laughs> yeah. not work good but um yeah no her her real dedication to that craft is what yeah brings her back to it I th it's not we we don't see her like oh now she can't pay her mortgage or her rent or whatever and that's mm -hmm. why she's going back that like she works hard to get like back in the game right. um which i i i don't know i love as I, I'm conflicted about because <laughs> there's this that stereotype that or, or not that stereotype but a pressure uh, to as a sex worker to be like oh I love sex work it's empowering it makes me feel like I have control over my body like no it fucking doesn't fuck that uh, like, <laughs> that is not true um, so I I really like that I mean she, it, it's not pushing that empowerment narrative but mm. she also does still really love the work. But it's still work. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I have not been able to like untangle my brain on on her return to it quite mm. yet. But she's like, she's good at it too. So you know, there is there's a really really good book which came out, um, uh, I think like a year, a couple a couple of years ago, called um, "Revolting Prostitutes: The Fight for Sex Worker Rights" by um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Juno Mack and Molly Smith who are sex workers and sex work organizers um in the uk and the book is the book is brilliant um and was a kind of was really good and i really enjoy it recommend it uh, but the point they make is like sex workers don't need kind of like moral panicking or s paternalistic sympathy or rescue what's needed is labor rights exactly like, yes yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't and it's like and they make exactly the same point you know sex work is not is not great is often kind of dangerous and risky and and alienating and poorly paid but that's the problem of work right like what are you rescuing us from capitalism like what you don't you don't you don't you don't need to kind of like moralize the issue what you need is the ability to organize and to 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 advocate and to do it in a way that isn't gonna 
put you into the clutches of police forces or violent and abusive clients uh, or get you um, evicted from the property that you're renting because otherwise the landlord could be accused of brothel keeping. So, oh my god, faster system. Which I know is um, just the US, not the, the UK. But. So, uh, like, that's what I think about the end, about the end, because that's what I think about. I was thinking about that throughout the course of the film. It's like what's needed is not like she doesn't need to get a new job. She's got a she's got a job that she's really good at, yeah, and a job that that pays her enough. So why wouldn't she go back to it? And, and where are the alternatives? It's not like we're sitting like yeah. sitting there waiting for her to to go work in like the salon with her mother that doesn't seem to yes. be an alternative of course she would go back to sex work that's what she mm-hmm. does yeah the the problems the problems of of sex work is work work is bad exactly yeah but if you can make if you can make working conditions less bad and less subject to criminalization, to violence, to eviction, to to poverty, precarity, and and you can like build some kind of collective bargaining. Maybe work could be okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I like that you didn't say to make it good, just less bad. <laughs> yeah, to just be less bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is why I'm a Marxist because I think work is is bad. <laughs> I'm I'm a Marxist because I'm lazy. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm 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 joking, but also sort of not really. <laughs> I mean, my my list of things to do does have abolish labor as a concept, so uh, we got to yeah, tick that box when we get there. I, I think that <laughs> we'll get there. that's that's part of the end, right? Like the 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 deep faked the 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 algorithmic Lola Lola the doppelganger. It's it's the embodiment of just pure like capitalist production and alienation. Like that Lola Lola doesn't care about performance. She doesn't she doesn't care about her guys in quotes. She just wants to rank up. That's the only thing that matters. That's the only rule that the fake Lola, the doppelganger has is to be number one. And when Alice defeats Lola Lola, right, she defeats that doppelganger, she defeats that impulse, right? And she also, uh, you know, heals her her relationship with her mother, maybe her whole family, mm-hmm. right? She she builds those bridges back to to community, and not back as somebody with a hidden identity, but back as kind of a holistic self, right? She she slays her like evil clone, if you will, and then becomes yeah. a, a less alienated person for it. And I, I'm like, I'm so happy that like Issa Massey's writing is just so deft, right? Because you know. Uh, the the opening sequence with the suicide show is is just a is a beautiful red herring because you think that at some point she's going to get killed you know and mm-hmm. then her visiting her mother's salon is another just absolutely deft red herring because you think like okay well she makes it out of this she's going to be like i renounce the villainies of sex work i'm going to go be a hairdresser <laughs> and like like we, we didn't get that either we we get her being someone who is true to herself and true to the people she cares about and i think that mm-hmm. that I mean, like, like this this movie isn't some like victory against capitalism, but it is chipping away at the armor, you know. Like she mm-hmm. she's able to do something that she's passionate about, that she loves, that she can express something artistic and and part of herself, and that that exists in the end in slight defiance of alienation and capitalist production, which is just a fantastic message, sex work or otherwise. You know, this may seem like left field, but. I've been thinking about this for like an hour now. Did y'all play <laughs> The Legend of Zelda Ocarina? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I've been thinking about the, the mini boss at the water temple, the Link doppelganger, and having to yes, fight that thing yes. and being like a little kid and like getting killed and killed and killed and just like going back and fighting the guy. Um and like I don't know, having to like have yourself weaponized against you like the the adrenaline mm-hmm. of defeating that is like through the and i'm like of course she goes back because that must feel amazing to to yeah. win you win again to reclaim yourself again she's literally reclaiming her bodily autonomy here um mm-hmm. like it must feel as good as it did when i as a 12 year old <laughs> beat shadow link <laughs> it did not make me want to quit it made me want to save hyrule <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is that's beautiful it's honestly honestly beautiful you know to defeat to defeat the worst within ourselves to defeat capital we must defeat shadow link exactly <laughs> i i don't think we can i don't think we can top that i don't no, think we, we can we, top we, that. i mean as as is every episode this is the last episode because we can't top that <laughs> no uh, wow, <laughs> beautiful! There's a tear. There's um, a tear forming. Oh my god! I should I should have thought of that from my opening comment. That was perfect. Damn. <laughs> well, cite me if you re-record it. <laughs> cite your sources. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I should we should we wrap things up? Should we wrap things up there? I think there, I can't think of a more perfect way to to walk out of the show. This no, neither neither, neither can I. Neither can I. You got to go out on Legend of Zelda. Thank you, thank you so much, Mr. Snow, for what has been just such a fun, fun episode. Um, very important question. The final question that we have to ask all of our guests. We get to ask all of our guests, which is, what would you like to plug? <laughs> what would you like to plug or promote or there was perfect yeah the pause there was just like you win you you get the final pun of the day <laughs> yeah that, that, that was what a plus uh... <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, no, I'm just, uh, like, damn, like, because uh, I was going to make a strap-on joke, but then you butt plugs and fuck. Uh, um, oh, I, um, I have a few projects ongoing right now, but they're all kind of uh, in uh, under under wraps. So I guess, yeah, for now, just follow me on Twitter. I'm funny. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, and yes. as this episode has proven... <laughs> definitely <laughs> like i'm right about a lot of stuff um <laughs> yeah no i'm just follow me on twitter i'm i have a lot of stuff in the works that should be coming out hopefully soon um so yeah no the listen to me <laughs> sage advice yeah yeah links links to uh mr snow's twitter and cash app will be uh down below in the show notes uh thank you thank you so much oh and if you're in my undisclosed location do let me know (laughs) (laughs) you'd like to swing by for a meeting (laughs) (laughs) bitch has got to (laughs) eat
Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. <laughs>